Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you just for the opportunity to sing to you, Lord. To sing our praises to you. To sing worship to you, Lord. To sing the joy that you give us back to you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for your unconditional love, Lord. We thank that you left the 99 just to find us, that you gave us the opportunity out of the billions of people in the world to know you, to live in a country that accepted you, that we're not hunted down and killed, as in some countries, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray for the persecuted church. Father, we pray for those that are in a state right now, in a mind for Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them, that you would strengthen them and upgird them, Father, with your word. May your word, may they find joy and strength in your word, Lord. May you comfort them and cause them to hide, Father God, when they need to be hidden and to go where they need to be gone gone to, Father, to speak your words and to speak and declare your kingdom, Father. We lift them up. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. They are our kindred family, Lord God. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Father God, for the movement of your spirit to be poured out upon those nations, Father, be poured out upon those nations and lives and would be changed in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment. Father, salvation, salvation, salvation is more than being saved. Salvation is coming into the fullness of everything that God has for us, O Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worth looking our way? We are free. that we never should be sweet relief from the grips of these chains like hinges straining from the weight my heart no longer can keep from singing all that is within me Christ for you alone be glorified Emmanuel God with us well my heart sings a brand Oh, my dear. 
Lord, you know Our hearts don't deserve your glory Still you show A love we cannot afford Like hinges draining from the weight My heart no longer can keep from singing All that is within me cries For you alone be glorified Emmanuel God with us It's such a tiny offering, oh, compared to Calvary, but nevertheless, oh, I lay it at your feet. It's such a tiny offering, oh, compared Nevertheless, we lay it at your feet, and all that is within me cries for you alone. Be glorified, Emmanuel, God with Such a tiny offering, oh, compared to Calvary, but nevertheless, uh, I laid it at your feet. Lay it at his feet, everything, good, bad, and ugly. Such a tiny offering, oh, compared. Such a tiny offering, 
And beloved, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a people belonging to God, 
that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits and the prophets, by the prophets sent his angel to show his, to his bond servants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours, of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed these words, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yes. So let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. All honor to your name. Oh, I'll honor to your name. Oh, the name that's so much higher than all names. Sing it again. I'll
Sing our glory to your name. Our glory to your name. All the name that's so much higher.
With sounds of singing, lift up his name in all the earth. Lift up your voice and give him glory. For he is worthy to be praised. Lift up his name. Sounds of singing, oh, lift up his name in all the earth. Lift up your voice, we give him glory. For he is worthy to be praised. Jesus. Get enough. 
of your unfailing love No, I can't get enough Oh, and I can't walk away No, 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 no I can't walk away Because uh, I have seen your face No, no, no I can't walk away hey, no. And I just want to be where you are Oh, I just want to be near your heart Because there's nothing Cause there's nothing like your love Look and I've seen that there's nothing like your love One more time Oh, 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 oh. oh. singing home. 
Grace and peace from, our, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my on all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this, of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Yes, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how, how I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. I have been fulfilled uh, until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God.
song or a new hum or something? In Exodus 15, I won't read the whole thing, but the whole thing is a song. But these are the parts that stuck out to me this morning. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. In his loving kindness, in your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore it was named Mara. So the people grumbled at Moses, What shall we drink? And then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And this is what he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Then he came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. And then I go back to the beginning. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang the song, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he's thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name.
And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And the reason for the season that we celebrate you, Jesus, we thank you for coming down and saving each and every one of us. We just love you, and we just praise you, and I just thank you. And just want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. And just remember, this is the reason for the season. hearing anything that you need to release to the congregation. I keep getting a picture of um, I might close my eyes and it's a picture of God's um, warrior angel army that has positioned itself all across the United States of America and across every country in the world right now. They're positioned and they're waiting, they're waiting. And I see like Ecclesia, Ecclesia's fivefold ministries growing up all across the world. And their prayers are going up. The prayers are going up for, for their countries and for the people and against the evil and the garbage that's being perpetrated upon our world. And I see all those prayers going up. In Revelation, it says the prayers of the saints are going up and they, they're stored in bowls. And it's, 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 it's ready. It's getting really close to the time when those bowls of wrath are going to be dumped out. And evil people on this earth it's not time for the for the the last three and a half years of the of the tribulation. Satan does not get his time yet. God's got his time first. And I decree that those bowls will be dumped soon. And your angel army, Lord God, will come forth with power and majesty and might like we've never experienced before. But God says it's coming. Just continue to wait on me. Don't get weary in well-doing. Continue to do the next right thing. For behold, I am coming quickly. Amen. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. 
Take a deep breath. Mm. I'll share a couple things I just heard this morning as we are focusing on the Lord. Keep your heart free from offense. For a bitter root wants to take root. When I heard that, I was just thinking about the time in which we live right now and how it seems to be so dark in so many places. But there is a safe place for the people of God to reside in. It's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place of rest. That's spoken through all through Scripture, starting with the Sabbath day. It's a spiritual place of rest for the people of God. And I was reminded in Genesis 4 when God spoke to Cain right after Cain's offering wasn't received. And he says, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? Again, when I was led to this, I was thinking about our time in which we live. And how easy it is for anger, not righteous anger, unrighteous anger, to come in. An offense 
and then a bitter root. And he said this to him. He said, if you do well, or in other words, if you respond correctly, will not your countenance be lifted up? But if you do not respond correctly, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. And I love this last part. Because God said this, but you must master it. You know why I like that? Because God never tells us to do something that's impossible. It will be impossible in our own strength. But if he says you must master it, then it's possible. That's the first reason why I like it. The second is he gives us a choice. We can succumb if we want to, but he tells us in advance. Respond correctly, your countenance is lifted up. Why are you angry? Because what did anger do in Cain? Turned into murder. Anger to hate, and hate equals murder. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. So you don't even have to commit the act of murder. Hating. Now, I don't, de- I don't define hate like the world is defining hate right now with hate speech and all this stuff. We have to be careful to define things the way God defines it. So God says sin is crouching at the door and it wants to take you out. But you can master it. In this time with so much evil... And by the way, we still haven't seen anything compared to it yet. I asked this on Wednesday night to the group. I said, is the world falling apart or is it falling in place? It's a perspective. It's our worldview perspective of how we look at things. And then I thought of this passage in Matthew chapter 24. Don't worry, I haven't even got to this morning's message yet. This is just what came to me earlier. Matthew 24, and Jesus said, verse 9, They will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. That brings glory and hallelujahs and claps and dances to all congregations when they hear that. Yeah. They will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Oh, Jesus, come on, you're not being encouraging. Come on, Jesus, be encouraging. Who wants to hear a word like that? Oh, yeah, every hand in the room just flew up. Matter of fact, there's two hands. This was so good, I'm going to read it for the third time. And they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. 
This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Well, that was a huge mouthful he just said here. Let me read this backwards. Because oftentimes, Eastern thought, when they write and even speak, they, they write and speak backwards from us. We speak cause or uh, effect to cause, or cause to effect. They speak effect to cause. So sometimes when you read it backwards, you can understand it in our way of thinking a little easier. It says the same thing. The, the, the meaning doesn't change. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Lawlessness is going to increase because most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Many false prophets will, will arise and will mislead many. At that time, many will fall away. The word fall away means to become offended. Stumble, fall away, or come into an offense. The root word for offense, I know most of you already know this, it's the actual mechanism that's in the middle of an animal trap. It, offense catches you in a, in a trap. We can live in such a way that we can have an unoffendable heart, and that's the way God really desires us to live. Not to go from offense to healing, offense to healing, offense, no, to live in an with an unoffendable heart. One way that you can live that way is understanding your true identity. At that time, many will become offended, and because that offense will cause a betrayal, and they will hate one another, which is equal to murder. They will deliver you to tribulation, will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about a great apostasy will become before Jesus' second coming. The word apostasy is rebellion. It is a turning from God, but more specifically, the word apostasy is a political revolt against Christ. So what does that mean? Because it's aimed at Christians. The apostasy is about Christians. That there'll be a great apostasy that many Christians will turn away from the lordship, kingship of Christ Jesus in their life. We've been seeing that for some time, and it's been increasing in our time. We are seeing great apostasy, whole denominations apostatizing. Pastors, preachers, all kinds of people. It's happening. It's happening right now. It's not going to happen. It's happening. Whether it's the great one or not, but there's definitely apostasy and a lot of it in our time. But in 2 Thessalonians, it, there's so much to say about all of these passages, but in verse 8, it says, The lawless one will be revealed. 
whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one who is coming is in, in accord with the activity of Satan. Now I want to throw something in right here. The globalists, the technocrats, the one world government types, their activity is in accord with Satan. Because he is trying, Satan is trying to pervert and counterfeit the true one world government that we are going to have when Jesus returns. Because he's going to be the only king and every knee is going to bow. Saint and sinner alike, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that's what Satan does, right? He perverts, twists, tries to kill. And he's perverting and twisting. The, the globalist Babylonian system is nothing more than a perversion, a demonic perversion of the kingdom of God, Jesus' earthly kingdom of God being set up. The one who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. So those who are in align with the accord of Satan, the activity of Satan, are going to function in power, signs, and miracles. This is going to be ultimate deception right here. How many people will think it's really the Lord? That's why we're not to seek signs and miracles and all of these things. We're to seek the Savior, Christ. Matter of fact, it says signs will follow us. Amen. Not that we're to follow signs. With all the deception of wickedness, verse 10, for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth as to be saved. For this reason... God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged. Wow, does this sound a little similar to our time right now? How many people are believing what's actually a lie? The lie has become the truth. The truth has become a lie to so many. I mean, we're living in this time. This is amazing. If it isn't this time, it is one very similar to it. I had this sense, too. We sang, The first song we sang um, had a phrase in there, our chains are gone. And it just hit me. I don't, I, this has probably happened to you. I don't wear a but but I'm just going to illustrate it, what happens to me. Uh, I don't wear a hat, like a ball cap, very often. But if I wear one, especially if I wear one all day long, if I take it off, it actually feels like it's still there. Does that ever happen to you, Whether whatever it might be? And I, and I remember there's been a couple times when that felt, it, it feels so real, I've actually raised my hand to take it off again later because I forgot I actually took it off. It's kind of like, has anybody seen my glasses? Have you guys seen my glasses? Seen them? 
And I've taken my glasses off, and they kind of, I can tell they're not there because of my sight. I can't see the hat unless I look in the mirror, but you can feel the pressure still on the nose. And I just wonder how many, how often that is when, because chains are gone. When we, when we ask the Lord for forgiveness, we come to Christ, the chains are gone, but they may still feel like they're still there because of the after effect. And the enemy plays on that, how things feel in our emotions and our natural senses. Because our natural senses is how we connect with this earthly world. And then we have mirrored spiritual senses because we can see into the spirit. We can hear into the spirit. We can smell into the spirit. There's all of our, our spiritual senses as well. But the enemy plays on the natural senses. And sometimes they become more real to us. Yeah. And gets us to believe it because our emotions are really tied to how we think about things. Another stupid illustration. So uh, this happened several years ago, and I was on my back deck, and my wife had this, this flower planter that was, I think, about that big, and it was a dog. Wasn't it a dog? I know it was some kind of animal. I think it was a dog, and she had a, a, a plant in it that was kind of tall, and it would kind of wave in the, in the breeze a little bit. And, and it was like here, but I'm looking this way on my deck. But out of the corner of my eye, all I saw was an animal, and that it was moving. <laughs> and I got the chills, and I, and I knew it was close to me, and I didn't know what it was, and I, I turned around, and was like, <gasps> and it was just that pot with a plant that was <laughs> waving in the breeze. But my point being is, my emotions were affected by how I thought, not the reality of what it was but how I thought about it. And it affects us all of the time, how we feel or think about what's actually going on. I mean, we're seeing so much revelation and prophecy unfold before us. It's the most, and so much information is coming at us. I mean, we've known this for years, that so much information is coming at us, especially when the internet and the web opened up. But right now, it's, there's just, it's just everywhere. And the enemy is attacking like, you know, they're trying to take control of every system out there. And there's so much happening all at one time. And we only need to be really concerned about what God's showing us. Really. What he's leading us to. What he's showing us. Was Jesus concerned when he lived on this earth about every little detail? He's just, ah, 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 ah. No, it was about what God was showing him to do. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Last week, I read um, uh, Nehemiah, a lot of chapter 8, and we talked about that. And um, I just asked you to read it, think about it. I, I really felt like the Lord was saying something to us through it. And uh, Alita came to me um, before we started this morning, and, and she had some things that come. Matter of fact, would you come up and just share what, what you uh, were seeing and hearing? And <laughs> If you need to put them on something, here, and you can bring that. Um, last Sunday morning, I had been up sharing about 
the love of God. And I sat back down, and I had a, a stack of books next to me, and my scriptures were uppermost on that. And I leaned my arm down on it. And I'm still feeling the effects of the love and everything that God had shared with me. And I began to be aware of how at home I am with the scriptures, how comforting and how, I mean, that's God. It's the word. And right then, the Lord opened up. I had an open vision. And my arm was resting like, like this on this part of my scriptures. And I saw and felt another forearm over here touching mine. And at the same time, I looked up. And this whole room was full of angels and people, people who have gone before. And I'm still enveloped in that love. And now it was with a unity and, and a, a, a peace, tremendous peace. And our pastor's beginning to speak about Nehemiah chapter 8, and they're talking about the people hearing the scriptures freshly and receiving it. And they've been through a horrendous time, and now they're, they're repenting as they're hearing. And the Lord is speaking to me over what he's showing me, and he took me to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And it is. It's the end of the chapter. Uh, and he is um, rehearsing about our forefathers uh, and about those that we consider stalwart people in the past and how many of them died to this life without having received the promises that they were believing. In verse 39, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect and I was they were here therefore since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
um, there was a message also in the forearm. Our strength, we consider our forearm is a, a thing of strength, but we're forearmed and forewarned mm, in this. What, you, what comes alive in here to you, you can utilize fully. This is our weapon as well as our comfort. This is evidence of God's love, but we can actuate it as we put this work, as the word to work. And we are to use it as to be part of it. It's a living part of us also. And it forewarns us, as well as the other prophetic things that come out through all of us, uh, that, that he shares with us, they forewarn, and they strengthen us, and they comfort us. This is a part of our forever home, this word. Amen. And we need to literally lean into this and lean into this message because God is repeating, rehearsing the scriptures, repenting, laying aside, persevering, run the race. The, the time we are in right now is pivotal, so pivotal and so important that he's sharing it with those who have gone before. They're paying attention to the ecclesia across the world right now, of which we are part. So we've got to do our part. This is our time. We have to keep going. We have to lean in. And we really are one family mm -hmm. with those who have gone before and those of us now and those who come up next. And I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> Amen. Thank um, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Amen. Hey, Elisa, you want to come up and share your testimony? Elisa? She's got, a, she's got an awesome uh, testimony to share with us. <laughs> Most of you know I own a donut shop, and my donut shop is kind of ran like my church. <laughs> <laughs> One of our customers has had a lot of health problems and he has suffered um, strokes. And his wife called me this last week and she said, um, well, she was placing an order, but we were already out of what she wanted. And I said, you know what? Um, before you hang up, I want to say a prayer because her husband had just had another stroke. And so I prayed for him and... Um, this lady is the most precious lady, and he is the most precious man. They're the sweetest little couple. She um, went to the hospital, and when she walked in the room, her husband 
was healed. He had not been able to move for days in his bed. And um, he looked at her and he told her, honey, I don't know what's happened, but something just went through my body and I was just (laughs) able to move my leg way up. And all the doctors were in the room, and none of them could believe it. They were just all in total awe. And she said, well, honey, get someone pray for you. And I believe it's her prayers that healed you. But we all know it was God that healed him. (laughs) But it is so important to just stop whatever you were doing and just say a prayer. I don't understand why more of us don't do this. But so many times, you know, people need you to just say a prayer for them. When somebody tells you that they're having a problem, don't just listen to the problem. Don't just say, I'm going to pray for you. Take their hands and pray for them. Because miracles do happen. That's God, right. God That's makes right. them happen. Amen. So it was just so beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. Amen. Amen. That's so cool. Amen. Yep. Yes, amen. Yep. And she said some really great things, too. Just always be alert, be watching, be paying attention. Um, when I, I enlisted into the Navy, I enlisted in the Navy because the Air Force wouldn't take me. No, no words from you, Terry. I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> Terry was in the Air Force. Anybody else? Were you in the Air Force? Oh, my gosh, there's four of you. You were in the Air Force, too? Oh, my gosh. I guess. <laughs> well, the Air Force wouldn't take me because I was honest about them, about the drugs I've taken. They, were, they wouldn't even, there was, anyway. So they wouldn't take me, so I was like, okay, well, I'll go to the Navy. Navy didn't have a problem with it. I wanted to get into um, aircraft mechanics. I didn't want to fly them, but I was already a motorcycle mechanic. Well, that never happened, and never happened in the Navy either. Uh, long story short, I ended up, uh, after I got out of basic training and uh, learning how to tie knot school, um, I never went, I never saw a boat or a ship the whole time I was in the Navy. I was never on one, have no idea what that's like, because I became a CB. In a CB, uh, we have a different uniform. We dress more like uh, Army and Marine Corps. What's that? <laughs> we only wore the Navy in a, in a dress kind of situation, but our daily, we're greens, and um, they're, they're camouflage now, but that's how long ago I was in. We didn't even have camouflage. It was, we were just in all green, and so we were, Seabees is a construction battalion, and so we had architects and electricians and plumbers and, you know, carpenters, that kind of stuff, and I became a construction mechanic. And what I learned about the Seabees was, is they taught you to basically, and you'll see, sometimes you'll see symbols of a a guy dressed in a CB uniform like this, and he has his M16 in one hand and a hammer in the other. And because we would, a lot of times, we would either fly in with the Army or the Marine Corps somewhere without, and we'd have to build the runway once we got there, put buildings together and that kind of stuff. So we would have to protect that 
construction site while the Marines were going out and advancing. And we would have to learn to always be ready. Be working, but always be ready. And I had no idea, because I was a very young Christian. I wasn't even a Christian a, a year yet. Uh, well, almost, almost a year. And I had no idea how spiritual this really was. And the lessons God was teaching me through all of this. And I had no idea it was in the Bible either. Because it, it, that's the book of Nehemiah, right? When they were building the wall, they built, they had their tools in one hand, sword in the other. They were always ready, always watching, always paying attention. Um, and and we, need, we need to be like that, especially today. We need to be on the alert while we're at work, school, grocery store, all of the time. God, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? Listening, being aware of the surroundings, not just for the natural security aspect, but the spiritual, what is God saying? What's he showing us to do? So we are deep into the Christmas holiday season right now, two weeks from today. So we're deep into it. We are not going to be here on Christmas Day because Christmas Day is Sunday. You all be with your families and friends and, and that kind of thing. Uh, next week, next Sunday, will be, um, you know, I've been mentioning, Cherie is retiring, so that's going to be her last Sunday as the administrator. She's on vacation this week, and um, she'll be here, and uh, we'll do something for kind of special. So if you come, be ready for that. Um, and I wanted to mention this. I, haven't I don't talk about this near enough, and mainly because I just forget. And we have partnered with, um, I still haven't got to the message yet, so just be comfortable. <laughs> we have partnered several years ago with a ministry called Faith Comes by Hearing. Uh, for those of you that haven't heard that before, Faith Comes by Hearing uh, is, is Bible translators, but in audio form for oral speaking languages, okay? So... They have partnered, all of the Bible translators, actually, all, they, they partnered together some years ago now, and they have identified every tribe and every tongue uh, that has not had the scriptures translated. And uh, they're actually discovered some ways they can expedite this, because typically the old way of Bible translating was you send somebody into a tribe, and they had to spend years to learn the language, and then if they didn't have a a written language or they'd have to write it all. I mean, it just took a long, it was very cumbersome, took a long time. Some cases it was very dangerous. But because of technology and they're all working together, they're able to uh, get these Bibles out in audio form or written form much quicker. And they are all under this banner now that's called Vision 2033. How many of you heard of Vision 2033? Okay. I knew I haven't talked about it enough. So Vision 2033 is after they've identified all of these languages that still don't have any scripture um, in, their, in their mother tongue. And if you don't know this, it's one thing to go as a missionary and preach in English and have somebody translate that, but it's another thing to be able to read it in their own heart language. It just it comes alive to them. And, and oral cultures are more story-oriented so they, they, they become very visual as they're listening. We do somewhat, but not near, near as much. But anyway, so oral translations are very, and, and most of the world, by the way, can't read. The majority of the world cannot read. So get, handing them a Bible isn't going to do much for them because they can't read it. But they, they know their language, they can hear it. And so 
they, they have harnessed satellites now. They've harnessed all kinds of technology. It, it just blows your mind what they're able to do. So Vision 2033, that's the year, that's their goal to be completely finished with every known language, to have at least the New Testament in their, their heart language. And we have helped here at New Covenant. Every language costs $35,000 to, to do a language because it, it is cumbersome. They still have to send people, and there's all kinds of stuff that has to go into play with all of that. And we, we have, uh, and, and it's just such a blessing being the, the size of congregation we are, but we've done three languages, um, help, help with three different languages, two of them completely by ourselves. One of them we had a little bit, little bit of help. And we give every month, we give, uh, right now we're sending $400 a month every month to help with this. This is something that we just like got lit on fire with um, because it's, it's really difficult. I, I've traveled a lot in the past and gone to different countries and taken teams, but it's really difficult now because of the, you know, the atmosphere of the world, what, what, what's actually going on. It's just, and, it's, and it's very, very expensive, although it's a great way to disciple man, when you take a team to another country, it's a great way to disciple people. But they're getting these languages finished very quickly. So I wanted you to, to, to know that. That's, that's part of what we're doing. Did you have something, Dre? Yeah, for travel, that's, that's the, yeah, that's another thing. Exactly. So it's very interesting and I have talked about this before, but uh, that they chose Vision 2033, and I mentioned to them a couple different times, the, the organization, that, uh, matter of fact, I had a prophetic word when I was in the conference about this twice, and because the year 2033 is roughly the end of the second day and the beginning of the third day, and let me explain that. So there's tons of three-day references and tons of seven-day references along with other things. And, um, the, and, and it's in, I think it's in First Peter or Second Peter. It says every day is as a thousand years. Okay? So Jesus was in the grave for how long? Three days. He was risen on the third day. And so, uh, and he even said he, would, he was coming back, right? So if you take those three, that's three days. But then also when Jesus was born, this is my segue into the Christmas message, by the way. <laughs> when, Jesus, the, when Jesus was born, nobody really knows the exact year, but it's really close to like 82, uh, 4, right in that range. So if you count a 1,000 years into the future, and each day is as, uh, each 1,000 years is as a day, well, then in 2033, Jesus, okay, so Jesus would have been born like 82, 84, something like that. And he lived 33 years. He died, was buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven, roughly in the year AD 29 to 33. So you take the three-day references. Everybody follow me? I know this can be really confusing. So every 1,000-year segment being a day, then the first thousand segment would be what from year 33 1033 that's the end of day one or the first thousand years and that's the beginning of the second day and then the second day would end when on 2033 and then the third day would begin you're following me 
we're also in, uh, we're also approaching, I should say, the seventh day of creation. And what was the seventh day? It's the Sabbath. The seventh day, Sabbath rest, and you take that day, and a day is as a thousand years, it also represents the thousand-year millennial reign, where we'll have peace and rest, that Sabbath rest. Well, we're also coming into, there's a convergence, in other words, is what I'm saying, of the third day and seventh day, not exactly on the day or hour, but within a time period that the, the sixth day is ending, and the second day is ending, and we're entering into the third day, and we're entering into the seventh year, uh, day and seventh thousandth year. It's all converging here in the next decade or, or two. Okay, just very, very fascinating. Well, that prophetic word I had for faith comes by hearing. They never put two and two together like that, and their goal of all Bible translators is to be done in 2033, in the same time period. When the second day ends and the third day begins. Be, and they've got a satellite now, and they've, got, uh, they've been testing different satellites, but they've got a satellite where they're loading all of these scriptures so you don't have to carry Bibles into nations anymore. All the ones that are being done, people uh, in Iran, wherever, can download it on their phone. When the satellite's overhead, they can get it on their phone. They're doing movies and some other things too. It's just they've harnessed so much technology, it's fascinating. Here's another one I can't remember offhand in Revelation. It says that at the end there will be an angel with the word of God in the heavens. What if that angel was the satellite that had all of the word of God in every language? Isn't that fascinating? I didn't think of that on my own. Actually, the, the CEO of Faith Comes I Hearing came up with that one. He goes, I'm, I'm not saying it is, but it's just a thought. You know, what if, because the word angel doesn't mean a spirit being. It just means messenger is what it means. So anyway, speaking of satellites and things in the air, I'm not going to get my message today because I wanted to share something else with you. So next week, I've got three messages. That, so we're going to start at 6 a.m. And we'll just, I'm just kidding. And then since we're not going to be here Christmas, you know, I got to get it all fit in. So I just want to make you aware of this if you're not already, Okay. Uh, and, and some of you have you don't care because you're you're not into social media or anything. So Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, bought, bought Twitter. How many are familiar with with the story? Yeah. Okay. So he's been releasing all of this stuff and getting truth out there, right? All right. Be careful about becoming an Elon Musk fan. W what he's doing is good. He's got other agenda and motivation, okay? I'm just, just saying. And I'm going to share just a couple things that Elon Musk is involved in. Number one, his live-in girlfriend, who they've separated, is a practicing pagan witch. Elon Musk is a technocrat. He's into technology for control's sake, okay? His live-in girlfriend that was a pagan witch was also into transhumanism, all right? So Elon Musk, you know, he's the CEO of Tesla and um, what, SpaceX. And so there's lots of other little companies that he's got his fingers in and hands. And when you do some research, they're very, very scary. So 
<clears throat> One of them is called Neuralink. How many of you are familiar with Neuralink? Neuralink is the connection of the human brain with technology. They've got a whole company working on this, okay? Some of the people there say this. This is a quote from, the, from them. Designing the first neural implant that will let you control a computer or mobile device anywhere you go. All right, so an implant into the brain. Now, they're marketing this to be a very good thing for people that have paralysis. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not the main reason or agenda. He's also involved in another business called Starlink. How many of you are familiar with Starlink? Okay, Starlink is a whole system of satellites. Speaking of satellites. They already have, Starlink has um, over 3,200 of these satellites. These are low-orbiting satellites. Matter of fact, some astronomers are, astronomers? <laughs> astronomers are already complaining about these things because they're lighting up the sky and they're getting in their way of seeing real stars. Their goal, Elon Musk's goal, is to have 42,000 of these low-flying satellites. They're marketing this as internet access across the goal, globe. That's not their only agenda. I'm just telling you. Okay? Because as a technocrat, what's very important to a technocrat? And we're heading into a technocracy. Is, is control. It's control of the populace. We are in a time of population control. I've mentioned this a few years ago, and I've talked about it every once in a while. And population control has two parts, an A and a B. One is to control the population authoritatively. Part B is to reduce the numbers, to control the population numbers. Both of those things are in effect and have been now. Okay? COVID is part of reducing the numbers. The shot is part of reducing the numbers. The man-made famine, the man-made uh, lie about climate change, the man-made um, supply chain, uh, all of this stuff is man-made to reduce the numbers. Okay. I'm not saying this to scare you. We need to understand really what's going on. And Elon Musk, you know, people are praising him. I'm just telling you, be careful. He's got another agenda. Now, I am, now people that are even that people have other agendas are evil, they can do good things. And I love all the new, this, this information and truth that, that he's exposing. This, this is great. But he bought Twitter for a reason, too. How many of you ever heard of his phone, his cell phone? Just a couple of you. So it's called the Tesla phone. The Tesla phone. And they've been working on this thing. This thing is going to be able to communicate with his Neuralink implants in the brain and those satellites that are orbiting. Now, China right now 
People have to have smartphones because their digital ID is on it, their currency is on it, their life is on that. And this is what they're wanting to do in the United States, is bring everything into one and, and, and eventually have it in us where we don't even need the cell phone. Okay? So I know it sounds sci-fi-ish. This goes way beyond the Jetsons, man. I mean, this like way beyond the Jetsons. So when you start looking at these businesses Elon Musk has and what he's doing, because everybody's focused on the Twitter thing and all of this other stuff, I'm just telling you he's got a whole other agenda. All right? So just be careful with all of this stuff that's going on. Because they have the Internet, you've heard of the Internet of Things, where these technocrat globalists eventually want everything connected to the Internet. And they've been getting us to buy into it for some time. Because it's, it's handy, right? I've had my passport on my phone for a long time. I've had other IDs on my phone. I mean, look at everything they make for your house now can be just about toaster. I mean, you can connect everything to the Internet. Well, they want us connected to the Internet, too. And then bring in this digital di- ID with digital currency and digital, 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 because everything then will be trackable, traceable, and controllable. All right? Okay. Glad you came today. <laughs> okay. Wow, wow. So can I ask something else about Sure. Yep, it's uh, we're, it's some crazy times, some crazy, crazy times. That's good. Amen. Do you have a, just a couple more minutes? I mean, if you have to leave, go ahead. I, I just want to. This is going to be very difficult to do in a, in just a couple minutes, but I just wanted to lay the groundwork of this. Um, the Christmas story. And what I've been focused on this last week are the three wise men. Because it's a fascinating story. Has anybody ever really studied those three guys and and what the scripture says and all that? Anybody? Because I'm going to ask you to come up here and preach. Scott, you want (laughs) to? And I was thinking of this for our time uh, and the end times. And I, I, I talk about God communicating to us a lot and hearing and seeing. And God can use anything, anybody, any place, any time to communicate to us. And it's one reason why we need to be very careful we never shut anybody off. Sinner, saint, doesn't matter. Somebody that's evil, wicked, God can speak and communicate. He's done it through Scripture, and he can use anything. And I don't want to miss, and I don't want you to miss, anything God's speaking to you. 
And when you read this whole Christmas story, it, to me, what jumps out at me, and when I say the Christmas story, I'm talking about when the angel came, Ga angel Gabriel came to Mary, to, to Joseph's dreams, to the wise men, to the shepherds. When you read all of those, it's amazing how many times God spoke and the different ways in which he spoke or communicated. Because with Mary, Gabriel walked in. Started having a conversation with her. God was speaking through Gabriel to Mary. Later, God spoke to Joseph, but in a completely different way. Matter of fact, he spoke to him several different ways. How? In dreams. How did he speak to the shepherds? It was angels. How did he speak to the... Now, the... The New American Standard calls them magi. I like calling them wise men because they did something very, very wise. Yeah. Whether they knew it or not, they were being led by God. And they, went, they traveled through hardship because they came from the east. I'm really shortcutting this whole message, but they came from the east, whether they walked, whether they traveled on camels, most likely. And they purchased some very expensive gifts. And they traveled seeking Jesus out because they knew the king of the Jews was born. But how were they led? By a star. What was that star? I've been thinking about this, praying. What was the star? Because the Bible doesn't say, it just says the star. The star is also a metaphor for prince, by the way. There's only one passage I'm familiar with in Numbers 24, 17, says that references Jesus and a star and says a star will arise in Jacob. Did those wise men know that? Because see, the wise men, magi, which is magi, the first part of the word magician, they were fortune tellers and magicians and practicing of the arts. They were astronomers and astrologers they were paying attention to the sky all the time and they saw a star and all they related it to the king of the jews being born how did they know this I'm not going to answer that for you. I'm just asking you that, just to think. How did they living in the east, they were probably from Babylon or Persia? Definitely Gentiles. They were not Jewish. And how did they know? It could have been, and very well, it could have been Daniel. Could have been. Because Daniel was back then, and he had a bunch of these guys, and some, some Jews even stayed. But it's just fascinating that they saw a star, something in the sky. Was it really a star like we think of a star? Or was it a cloud by day or fire by night? Was it the Shekinah glory of God? What was that? <laughs> a satellite before its time? No, what was that star? And I'm, Because they followed it. 
Now, when they followed that star, it got them to Jerusalem. I'm not looking at the scripture just for sake of time. It got them to Jerusalem, and they started asking questions. Where is the king of the Jews? Where's this baby? Where? Now, this is fascinating because a star led them all the way from the east to Jerusalem, but apparently it went away. Why do I say that? Because they started asking questions. Where is he? And it says, the Bible says this, it frightened Herod and all the people in Jerusalem. Now that is fascinating to me. Why would the prophetic word that's already written in Scripture that a Messiah is going to be born, why would that message frighten them? Now, I could see why it would frighten Herod, but why would it frighten the Jews? And then you know what it says? The star appeared again and led them to Bethlehem. It, it rested. Yeah. Yep. And here's something. Yeah, that's for sure. And here's something very fascinating to me too in this. It frightens Herod and the Jews, and there's nothing in the Scripture that says. Any Pharisee, any scribe, any Sadducee, any teacher of the law, any Jew, after hearing that, went looking for Jesus. It doesn't say any of them did. The king of the Jews is born and not one of them went looking for him. Except for these guys, and we call three, we don't know how many there were. Could have been 20 of them. We know there was more than one of these wise men, these magi. I mean, all the traditional pictures are three because there was three gifts mentioned, but that doesn't matter. It could have been a bunch of them. But these guys saw something in the sky that the Bible calls a star. They, I mean, it, it's not easy to, you know, they didn't just jump in their 15-passenger air-conditioned heated van and drive across the desert. They got on a camel or walked or whatever, however they did it. And see, by this time, Jesus could have been close to two years old, probably right in that age, because Herod asked them, when did you see the star? And he deducted it was about two years ago. That's why he killed all of the, the male ch children to and down by the time they got there. So it was hardship of traveling. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are very expensive. Gold's expensive. <laughs> gold and frankincense and myrrh, incense and used for medicinal purposes, also could be used for trade, helped to finance Jesus' family to Egypt. They could have lived on all of it. We don't even know how much that was. This story is so encouraging me for the times in which we live. And how God supernaturally, and, what, and a sign of the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the righteous. Because none of the righteous, the Bible doesn't say not one of them went seeking for Jesus. 
Isn't that amazing? And what did we talk about earlier? There's going to be a great apostasy before the end. The apostasy is not people seeking after the king, it's those walking away from the king. Man. And Jesus says this, because he said some things are going to happen in the sky. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all of the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. How many, how many heavenly sky type of things he said? The sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds. Look. What were these guys doing? Now they were... Here's another thing I absolutely love about this story with these wise men. Because it's very similar to the story, in, from my perspective, with the story of Abraham. Abraham was not a righteous guy. He was not serving Yahweh. He grew up in an idolatrous home, worshiping a pagan god, and God just shows up and talks to him. And what does Abraham do? Drops everything and follows him. That's how easy this really is. This whole thing. Here's something God didn't say. Well, Abraham, you're going to have to renounce all these gods. Oh, uh uh-oh. He just said, no, you follow me. These wise men, they're they're seeking signs in the sky and trying to figure out things by the stars. They're in astrology. And God busts through all of that and leads these guys to the Messiah when no other Christian would. I don't know what happened to these guys after the story's over. But they're a vital part of this whole Christmas story. Yeah, they definitely did that. And they were, so they were led by a star, but then when they did that, they were led by a dream. Because God gave them a dream. Don't go back to Herod. Go the, another way. And what'd they do? Obeyed. They're not even Christ followers. (laughs) One last scripture. This is Matthew chapter 16. Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious people, this group that not one of them went seeking to find Jesus because of the star of the Shekinah glory. They may not have been able to see it. Who knows? But these other guys were able to see it. And went seeking Jesus out, bringing him gifts. By the way, I might just impart this. This is fascinating. It's writ right there clear in the scripture. When they found Jesus, they went into the home and Mary and Joseph were there and Jesus was there. And here's what they did. They bowed and worshipped to Jesus. It doesn't say they worshipped Mary. They bowed and they worshipped Jesus. And then they gave him gifts. But Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees came up to him, testing him. And they asked him to show him a sign from where? Heaven. And he replied to them, when it's evening, you say it it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky? But you cannot discern the signs 
of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except for the sign of Jonah. This is a great part. They had nothing really to say. I added that. They just went away. (laughs) What did Jesus say? You know how to read the sky to forecast weather, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Father, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the prophetic voice of God, the Holy Spirit. Mm. There's another fascinating thing that happens. So Mary is pregnant, but immediately the Bible says she runs to go see Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. It says when, when Elizabeth just heard of Mary's voice, Look this up in your Bible. When she heard the voice of Mary, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't say she began to prophesy, but that's exactly what she did. Because she immediately knew Mary was pregnant. The baby leaped within... Can you... Mary is a type of Christ follower. Because the Spirit of Christ is on the inside of us. And the presence, our presence, because of him, not my presence, because of the presence of Christ we carry, changes atmosphere wherever we go. And even babies within the womb recognize it. Is that the most powerful? I mean, that's like... And, and, and it just says Elizabeth heard Mary's voice. So the voice of the one carrying Jesus didn't even say she saw him yet. She just heard her voice, and she was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. May those kinds of miracles return. Father, thank you for this group of people, this congregation, that my friends, my brothers and sisters, that you have connected us, networked us together. I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. You have ears to hear, you have eyes to see, and you have a heart of compassion and mercy and the character traits of Christ Jesus himself. Glory be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Mm. Amen. I thought it was your donuts is why we were here. <laughs> Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great life until I see you next time.